From Luxie, I connect businesses with freelance tech solutions. I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Rowett, Johanna, Piotrek, and Frederick to discuss how to get the best out of your tech teams. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around and start with some introductions. Nithin, why don't you kick us off? Absolutely. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Nithin. Um, I'm working as a product manager at a, one of the largest fintech in Europe, uh, I'm, but I'm between the jobs now. So that's me. Thank you. Johanna. Yes. So my name is Johanna Backvalentin. And I'm a freelance consultant working a lot with agile transformation in different forms. So I'm taking the role as agile coach or product owner. And currently I'm on an assignment as a scrum master for a few teams. Amazing. Um, Frederick? Yes, my name is uh, Frederick Wittfeldt and I am working as a product owner for the Stockholm-based fintech and uh, loan broker Sambla Group, uh, where I am owning um, specifically the uh, CRM system that uh, our loan advisors are using. Uh, so that's me. I also have a, a background from uh, working for the uh, uh, trading uh, broker Saxe Bank, which is also a fintech, obviously, and there over there I held various positions, uh, including uh, global activation and education lead, where I was responsible for uh, Saxo Bank's uh, education offering. So that's me. Thank you. And Piotrek? Yes, uh, that's me. Um, husband and father who <laughs> live in Stockholm right now, moved from Warsaw. Um, professionally, I have a role of senior engineering manager and I'm leading uh, the teams that are building integrations with cars uh, in Spotify. Amazing. So now that we have established a context to each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. You all have a question or statement on leadership, how to get the best out of your tech team. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your give your take on the situation. Let's start with Piotr. So we had a chance to talk a bit before the recording and you mentioned something intriguing for me you said that the topic of our podcast should be different how would you define it yes so when Lexi reached out and said that we're going to talk about how to take the best out of the people in your team uh, we started a conversation that maybe the topic should be a little bit different maybe we should actually think what we as leaders can do what we can give to our people that then later they can give uh, back to the organization and back to us. So it's not about taking so much, but it's more actually about giving. And here I would say that the the typical analogy that is being used is about a manager being a gardener. And I think this is a useful analogy, but it also leads to some misconceptions. So the the, the three that I would love to mention is that the first one is maybe about like, um, first of all, When you think about your engineers as plants that you kind of help to grow, like, do you really blame a plant if they're not really growing well? 
And I think this is what we do quite often. If someone is not performing, we just go and as assume that the blame lies on this person. And is it really like that? I think that very often it's more about the system that the person is operating in. The second mistake is that, okay, let's say that as a manager, I'm getting this analogy. I, I love being a gardener. And then I am staying passively and just observing what is happening. I think this is an error as well. You shouldn't, like anyone who was doing anything with gardening knows that it's, it's a hard job and you actually do a lot of things. You prepare the right conditions, you take care of, of heat, of humidity. You also make a lot of um, uh, actions, like for example, taking away the, the rotten plants as well from your gardener. Not even mentioning that you'd have, you should have some kind of vision for the garden. Is it a Swedish garden or is it a Japanese one? They're completely different and you work differently depending on this vision. And the last thing I would love to mention is maybe about like the, the greenhouse thing. So like the protection for your garden. Mm, or maybe a different analogy will be like a shit umbrella that we often use. That I protect my team from everything. I think it's a really wrong statement again. And the way better way of thinking is to think about um, more like a heat shield that you use in the rockets. So when the temperature is low, it's not really a useful part of the, of the equipment, but that when the temperature uh, and pressure gets really high, then it activates. I think this is way better uh, way of thinking about us as managers and as leaders. So we act when we should act. But in the same time, we do create an org that is resilient and can handle pressure up to a point. So to summarize, think about yourself. If you are a leader as a gardener, you might find this useful. But also do not try to take things from your people. Like give yourself to them and they will give themselves back to you. Thank you for that, Fyodorik. And Johanna, I have noticed that you've got your hand up. Would you like to ask him a question? Yeah, uh, I really like how you're rephrasing this and about giving, because I think that it's exactly what people want to do as well. They want to give. They want to have a job where they can contribute. And if they are in an environment where we have a clear, like, a vision of what uh, what we want to achieve. Like you uh, said here, do you want a Swedish or a Japanese garden? Well, if I know, then I can also take the decisions and I can do, I will see the things that I am, that I find important and which are my strength. So then I can focus on them, take the decision myself and do them. And that will lead to a lot of good things for the organization as well. So I think that I really like this, like giving. I think that we're not always that good at it, but I think that's something we can improve. Mm -hmm. It will be very helpful for the all organizations, I would say. Thank you. And Nathan, anything that you'd like to add on? Any views or question? Yeah, I think I, I think I really uh, love the analogy of uh, seeing your people as garden uh, and the plant, and I think. Uh, for me, I don't have any specific questions, but I would rather uh, just want to add uh, what as as what Johanna also said is that when you have when you see people as your plant, then you exactly know what kind of plants you need to keep nearby, and then you define like well, how do you build your team? Then you know what kind of skill set you need, what kind of people work together. So I I, I think that's a very great uh, thought process and, and, and an analogy to uh, to see your team as as a garden. So thanks a lot, Piotr. 
Thank you. Frederick, anything else you'd like to add on? No, I uh, I agree with Nitin. I think it was uh, um, a great elaboration. Uh, maybe I just wanted to chip in that uh, I want to emphasize that uh, it's important to also be um, a selfish giver in the way that you shouldn't uh, let assisting other people um, have a negative impact on your own work. So in order to uh, in order to make sure that the overall outcome is as optimal as possible, you should always take into consideration whether helping other people could eventually affect your own performance uh, negatively. So I think uh, I think that's very important to to bear in mind as well. Thank you. And Beatrice, could you like to? Yes, super quick comment on Freddy because mm -hmm. I, I think you are so right. You know, the, 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 the thin line is between helping and kind of rescuing. And, and if you, and uh, it's not about sacrificing yourself. No one should sacrifice your, uh, themselves at work. So I think this is, this is the, the difference that I would say here. Like helping, yes, but, but no, do not go for rescuing. Amazing. Um, Johanna, is there anything else you'd like to add on? Yeah, I just wanted to ask, like, what do you think, Piotrek, is uh, the thing that is stopping us from doing this, for actually working this way when it comes to leadership? Do you have any thoughts on that? So, uh, first thing that I have in mind is that we are trying to put like a similar methods for different people and help them in a similar way. And they actually have completely different needs. I like this model of biceps. Maybe you've heard about it. It's about like, core needs, and they're just different. Like uh, everyone is a little bit different. Second thing is, of course, it requires time. It's it's something that is more um, important, not urgent usually. And uh, we are managers. We we are all very busy and so on. So we postpone those type of activities. But in the same time, I feel that we should prioritize them to make sure that we are creating an org that is like self-sufficient and so on. So yeah, I would say that this is the two main reasons. Amazing, thank you. And next, Johanna, your question. Yes, so my question is regarding uh, what leadership we really aim for. Because I think that especially when we talk agile, we talk a lot about servant leadership. And this is the kind of the new leadership that we're aiming for. But I think that often we within our, the organization don't dig deep to what do we really think that what do we mean with servant leadership? So we use the same words and we think we mean the same thing, but we we haven't we haven't really understood it the, way, the same way. So my question is really, how do we define what kind of leadership we want? And can we create a joint vision for what leadership we aim for in the organization? And in that case, can we also follow up on it? And how do we do that? So it's quite a broad question. Amazing. Um, so, Nitin. Um, so actually, um, I, I know I'm going to jump in with my question as well, because it's kind of related with Johanna's. 
uh, it's like what kind of uh, leadership style we adapt in an agile way of working. So uh, I think that that's my question. And when the times come, then we can talk about more in detail about that. But I just wanted to add or uh, suggest what Johanna has just asked. Like when we simply say that it, it's uh, it's a servant leadership, it, it's it's not just by saying that that we are adapting to it. It's a journey. So you basically need to pass through different leadership styles. And it's like, so when, you, when you're setting up an agile uh, team, if they're already being working in an agile way, then you, of course, uh, they know the practice, they know how to work, and then leadership, uh, servant leadership works pretty well with that, with that aspect. But if you, um, uh, if you wanna set up a new team, then you need to give a directional, uh, directional leadership first, and then you actually work with them as a coach. So there's a book, uh, which I'm actually gonna show it here. Uh, I don't know which you can see. Uh, maybe you might have read it. Uh, it's called Coaching uh, Agile Teams uh, by Lisa Atkins. And that actually talks uh, very well about how you coach your team and how you build a team in terms of shoe, hari, practice. But I'll let uh, Piotrik uh, say something. Uh, he's raised his hand now. Hmm. Yes, because um, there is this one small problem that I have with servant leadership as a name. Honestly, I, I know that it was created kind of in, in contrary to a traditional way of approaching management, which was more command and control. And to, to make it clear that we want to value a different methods of leadership, we said, okay, now it's a servant leadership. So the, the part that I don't like about it, it, it assumes actually a leader to be passive. Like a servant, you wait for someone to ask you about something. You, and then you serve. Um, I don't think it's great <laughs> because yes, if some the, the part that I like is that if someone asks you, you should be helpful. You should try to be um, to serve for sure. But you also you should be someone who is able to maybe set the direction or act proactively without waiting for your people to come and so on. Those kind of things and um, and and how to. I don't know what's the better name than servant leadership, uh, but uh, there has to be something there that will combine those two expectations on leaders. Johanna, I can see that you raise your hand as well. Yes, I was just thinking, going back to the story that you made before, that it differs. In different circumstances, you need different kind. And I think it goes for leadership as well, but we have this... Uh, thinking that we are working agile, so now I should act as a servant leader, so I'd be too too calm. I, as you say, you stand and wait for too long. Sometimes you need to do different, and you need to have that full range within your leadership uh, capacity, so to act between in different roles and different stances. Nitin, anything else you'd like to add on? No, um, nothing specifically. Okay, and Frederick, your views, please. No, I mean, I definitely agree with Johanna that um, a great leader should uh, definitely have the or possess the uh, ability to be able to adapt to different uh, contexts and, and uh, different situations. Uh, so that is obviously extremely important for uh, for a strong leadership. 
amazing. Thank you. Um, Piotrek? Yeah, because I think maybe there's something about the maturity of your team as well and where they are on the journey from, first of all, like being mature as uh, engineers, let's say, but also as a team. Um, and I guess this um, maybe it's it's our our job quite often as leaders to assess this maturity and then act accordingly. And again, like uh, even in the same time with the same team, uh, maybe in some problems they are mature enough, but in some they are not. Or the other way around, maybe some problems they are pretty well equipped to handle and you as a leader, you are not. And you you should use this as a learning opportunity as well. So, oh, yeah, Johanna, I, I can see your head. <laughs> no, but I really agree. And the, the maturity part, as you bring up, that's often something that we work with. We try to uh, identify the maturity of the team and so on. But it's really, really tricky. And you can't like say that this month the team is at this maturity level and therefore I will act in this way. So you all the time need to be flexible. And that's really, really hard. So I think that's often why we see that bad leadership or the one that doesn't live up to or believe in the, what a good leadership is, is causing so much frustration. But it is a hard thing, really. So, Yeah, maybe you remember the CMMI model and so on in the past. Like, they're so easy, you know, like everything has an assessment, a number yeah. from one to five. It was so easy, you know, like, uh, but I guess as long as you operated in the world of those uh, artificial assessments and not in reality. Exactly. Amazing, thank you. And then just moving on with Frederick, your sub question, please. Yes, so uh, my sub question relates to uh, the importance of also um, focusing a lot on the actual uh, development of the team members. Uh, to a larger degree, to a larger uh, degree than just uh, focusing on the actual achievements of the individuals in a team. Because my belief is that when a, a leader is focusing more on uh, the individual development, among the team members rather than the individual's achievement. Uh, the team itself as a core gets better as a whole uh, because there are so many positive outcomes of uh, prioritizing the development of these individuals. Uh, obviously, one thing is that uh, they the individuals of the team become more competent uh, in terms of hard skills etc um, but obviously they also get more motivated uh, to to perform if they feel that uh, the team performance is uh, going in the same direction with their own individual development uh, so that's the topic I would like to to discuss. Any questions, Piotrek? 
Uh, okay, um, so let, let me just check if I understand correctly that you, you are saying where to put the balance between focusing on individuals and their growth and their achievement versus the team achievements as, as a whole. And I think uh, like the, the best answer as usual, it depends. Uh, there is something about the people, very useful people in the org who act as glue and uh, or who acts in mostly supporting others who make others successful and there, you can find plenty of them in both like managerial positions very often they are staff engineers um and this is this tricky part that if you just look at them through the individual achievements perspective you might say hey they do not have a direct individual achievements but everything they do makes people around them better and I think we have to be careful then and say, actually, when we are assessing their achievements, we should collect all the achievements of people that they grown, they helped. Uh, and then and, and, and by a proxy, it's also their achievement. Um, I believe that in our world of software development right now, teams are super strong um, entities. And they are often stronger than individuals and aiming for an overlap between the goals of individuals and the goals of the teams, this is something we should strive for. Because both, both extremes, so aiming only on the team and aiming only on the individuals, I find this too risky. Um, the overlap is the place, like in other words, like looking for win-wins. Um, because I, I think it usually is, it is possible. If it's not possible to find an overlap, if it's not possible to find a win-win, sooner or later, it will be problematic, either through the personal perspective or through the team perspective. Uh, oh, Johanna. Sorry, now I'm unmuted. So I just, um, when you talked about this glue, because I think that is the new way we need to look at it as well. These people that are the glue to a lot of things is happening and it's a good thing, but it's not how we have looked at it before because uh, normally we have these superheroes where com which come in and fix things. And you can directly say that they are the one that fixed it. And referring to books, uh, in the Phoenix project, if you have read it, this Brent guy, uh, who is really the superhero, and you can see it in a lot of different organizations when you come there. That's the person who always like thrives in chaos and thrives in like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm in the center now because I'm the one fixing. And that's how we normally have looked at things, but now we're the, we would we want to appreciate the glue persons more that are all over the place and can facilitate and fix things. So. Thank you for that. And Nitin, anything you'd like to add on? Yeah, I think I, I like the conversation. Uh, how is it going towards my topic uh, all the time? So I think uh, I feel uh, like, again, it's a leadership style uh, in terms of how you choose it. And one of the, like, as, uh, as Frederick, you have mentioned, about uh, how how people perform uh, and uh, how if you're people performance oriented then you become like a, a, a transform transformational leadership style uh, and or if you want to be a more like a motivational uh, leader that's where you work but there is also one way where you uh, i would possibly say where you can actually have a 
really good performing team is like a pace setter uh, leadership style where you have uh, where you are helpful to each other you are motivational and i'm not just talking about uh, leaders uh, who are leading the team i'm actually talking about that leader within everybody uh, so in terms of having a pace setter and i would say like a visionary is a person uh, or a team which is towards a vision and targeting toward a vision and working with an helpful and motivational team members or the leaders in the group then i think uh, it's a win-win situation for the team so that's my view Yotrek? Yeah, a quick comment on Johanna, because I think she really nailed it with the superheroes analogy. And like for, for everyone who would like to listen to our podcast and then maybe like get it in real life, I encourage you to watch some like in the same time, in the same evening was like a Marvel movie and then Disney and Kanto movie, because you, you will have those two types of leadership. You will see it in the first movie. Every Marvel movie ends exactly the same, like everything is perfect. However, the world is in ruin. And then in Encanto, in a different type of leadership, I will not spoil because you might have not seen it yet. Like there are different things of, 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 of dealing with the problems and you needing. And I think they are way less destructive than the Marvel type. So yes, call to action. So we'll watch some uh, superhero versus the Disney Encanto this evening. Amazing, thank you. Definitely need to get that projector out, don't I, to get all those movies watched. Uh, Frederick, anything else that you'd like to add on? Uh, no, I think the uh, reflections were were really good. So, um, yeah, nothing more, nothing more to add on my side. Amazing, thank you. And finally, Nitin, <laughs> your subtopic news. So uh, I think uh, all the podcast listeners might have already heard about my question. So my question was actually uh, about what's the leadership style we should adapt for an uh, agile team. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure everybody must have uh, aware of like there are top uh, 10 kind of leadership style. I briefly just mentioned them. And then we I would like to uh, ask questions to my fellow podcast uh, participants today. So one is coaching style. The second one is visionary style of uh, leadership. Third one is the famous one, the servant leadership. The fourth one is autocratic, where you have an authorita authoritarian or a result focus uh, leader. Uh, we have a um, fifth one, which is uh, more like an autocratic and delegatory, uh, where you delegate uh, uh, task to your team. Um, democratic, where you are more sub supportive and innovative. Um, Base setter, which I've also mentioned earlier, where you are helpful and motivational at the same time. Uh, transformational, where you're challenging and communicative uh, to the to the your team, and tra uh, transactional, which is like completely focused on performance for the indi in individual. And the last one, uh, which is bureaucratic, which is hierarchical or uh, or duty focused. So I do have some uh, uh, some experiences from my my previous experiences working at a different organization. My choice of leadership styles uh, and working as an agile coach as a, and as a product manager, I see as a product manager, I I see myself as to be have a leadership of visionary style. But together with that, I need to be a coach at the same time and also a servant leadership. So those are my top three. Um, uh, styles which i would prefer but i would like to ask others uh, in this uh, podcast today what what would be your preferred leadership style or if your experience if you would like to share 
for me personally, I think the visionary leadership style is um, is what I prefer uh, because when I'm contributing to the to the company's performance or to a specific strategy, uh, I personally feel that I am I'm getting motivated by being part of of uh, a specific vision or a strategy. So having a leader that is uh, continuously emphasizing that my work is contributing to a specific vision or a specific uh, strategy would motivate me the most. Piotrek? Yeah, I'm thinking about the question, and I'm not sure if I'm self-aware enough to 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 actually pick the category uh, for myself. Um, I I do think that in different moments, in different situations in your life, uh, when you that you encounter as a leader, maybe a different style uh, is sometimes needed. Um, and I ha I had this observation that like the the people that I admire as leaders they have this ability to to change and adapt their leadership style to to a situation and i think that of course there might be something that some of the stances are more let's call it like natural for us or something that's more comfortable but in the same time can you imagine a situation that you perceive yourself as a coaching type of leader and you are in the building when there's a fire alarm and then you start asking coaching questions. Hey, people, like, do you think we should do something about it? What do you think we should do about it? Like this thing, I would think it would be the coaching question. Um, risky a little bit. So I know that is an extreme example, uh, but the thing is that I was trying to emphasize that maybe um, trying to have more than one skill uh, is useful for us leaders. Nathan? I, I just wanted to mention, I love Piotrek's uh, analogies, uh, and I think <laughs> that's exactly what uh, my question was all about. Like, what is the leadership style we adapt? And, and if, you, if you're if you in a situation where it's a fire or if it's a garden or this style or where you actually adapt to it, that's what basically what I was trying to get out of this question. So thanks a lot, uh, Piotrek. And you, Hannah. Yeah, and I actually started to think like yesterday when I read somewhere that there was an organization who had a limit that you could only have eight people directly reported to you. And then I looked around and like, hmm, how many organizations have I been where we only have eight people reporting to each manager? And then I start to think once again about like how difficult, uh, difficult it is to be natural in all of these different stances and to really, how do you say, master them. Uh, and then I started to think, why aren't we like two managers at the same time that can help each other? So when there is a fire, there's this person who is good at handling it. And when there's a coaching situation, we, are, we have that skill so that we work to broaden the skill within managers because I think that the role is super important, but it's dangerous to just have one person. So that was, yeah, my thought on how we can broaden at least 
the leadership types that we have per group, so to say. Amazing. Frederick, would you like to add on? Yeah, I just wanted to emphasize uh, a little bit what I was touching on uh, earlier in the call, that one super important attribute, I reckon, of a great leader is to possess flexibility in terms of, of different leadership styles. Because, um, yeah, I mean, there will always be different situations. Uh, so being uh, being able to adapt to uh, to different contexts is uh, super super crucial uh, in order to uh, to perform a good uh, a good leadership great and Nathan, anything that you'd like to add on with everyone's views Yes, absolutely. I think thanks a lot for all your uh, views and um, uh, thought about uh, the leadership leadership style. And I, it, that's exactly, I think I felt that there's no one leadership style which you can uh, use and say that uh, if you're a product manager, then you have to be visionary or you just need to be coach or you just need to be democratic. It has to be adapted as per the situation. And one thing which I wanted to emphasize what uh, Johanna also said, is uh, we probably could have uh, two people like uh, uh, your man as a manager one is someone who is accountable for the deliveries or you know if you say in our boring work life accountable leads or accountable manager someone who is responsible for to to make a decision and decide and take you out of the fire and someone who can be your competency lead, like someone who can uh, help you with your competence or coach yourself. So I think that's very, very uh, important uh, that we we don't need to choose one leadership style. It has to be multiple. So thanks a lot. Johanna? Yeah, just adding that now we're drifting a bit into actually how the thought behind Scrum, for example, has been and how we have divided the roles into PO and Scrum Master. So I think it's uh, interesting that when digging into this question, we might end up there and then we can discuss like how well is it actually working? But that might be a different kind of topic. But I think it's interesting that we uh, have this discussion and that we see the need for these two roles or more. There we go. So we've got really, really good insights then. And we'll leave it there. This has been Evolution Exchange Podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Piotr, Nithin, Frederick and Johanna for providing their insights into the topic. And thank you for listening. If you would like to get involved in one of our podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email luxy at evolution.nordics.com.